I would say that that is the biggest thing I have stopped doing and that has created incredible well-being in my life, not to give men unsolicited mm-hmm. advice, not to give anyone without asking permission. But the minute you step into that role, what are you telling them by doing that? I don't think you can do it yourself. Yeah, you don't trust him. And I need to tell you so that you can figure it out. Yes. And that just cuts a masculine man off at the knees because men need to feel respected. Hi there. I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Let me tell you guys something. Today's a fun one. So we have had today's guest, Tiffany Louise, on the show twice already. And she came into town to speak at Ceremony Wellness Live. And I took this opportunity to grab Connor and get him into this episode. We had the best time interviewing Tiffany together. She is a professional coach and licensed therapist. So the way she comes at personal development, growth, spirituality is really amazing. And honestly, I don't know anyone else in the space doing this the way she is. She's also an author. She wrote the book slash journal, This Year I Will, which I absolutely love. It's an incredible tool and resource for you to use throughout the year. It's a once a week journaling prompt that she has created for you. And It's what she uses with her clients and she really believes in the impact it can make in your life. And I have this and use it and think it is so incredible. So in this episode, Connor and I took advantage and we had our own personal therapy sesh and got some insight from Tiffany on the way we operate, which I really love. There are some things that we do that I wanted to have a conversation with her about and get her take, which was really, really amazing to have her input. We talk about space and trust and building healthy relationships and communication and sex. And I love her approach to supporting people, utilizing her voice the way she does, and just shining. This woman shines so bright. And she has been such a remarkable example in my life for what is possible in relationship, in work, in sharing myself with other people and understanding what it means to use my voice and truly step into my power in an authentic and very genuine way. And she has also been the most incredible cheerleader for me and has taught me how to take supporting other women to the next level. I I can't tell you guys how much I love and respect her and she has just played an integral role in my growth over the last year. So such a beautiful opportunity for me to spend this time with her and Connor. You can find Tiff at tiffany.louise on Instagram and make sure you get her incredible book this year, I Will. Before we get into this episode, just a reminder about our retreat in Costa Rica, March, Soltara Healing Center, me and Connor, the Shapibo Healers, and three plant medicine ceremonies in the most beautiful place you could ever imagine. 
We'll be doing men's circles, women's circles, yoga, breath work, and have an opportunity to see what is available for us and expand ourselves and really push the boundaries of what we have believed to be true and change the narrative about what is possible for us in our lives. If you guys want to join us, you got to get on the phone with us so we can chat with you and answer all your questions. You can go to gettherealness.com slash realness dash retreat. Send us your email. We'll book a call and we can't wait to chat with you. We only have 14 or 15 spots left at this point. That was our least latest update. So make sure you hop on the phone if this is something you want to do. And we can't wait to see you there. I still remember the journal conversation. I think about it a lot. Like it's just, it's so weird. I feel everyone's like, how did you become friends? I was like, oh, actually we're like mostly Instagram friends. Just like, go girl. Yeah. You look beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. I was actually thinking about that conversation yesterday as we were in the room. And even last night when I was, you know, thanking everyone that came here, I just thought, you know, for the most part, everyone that's been a part of this does very similar things. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of us have journals and a lot of us have books and a lot of us work with clients and put on retreats and events. And there is not one moment where I felt like anyone was trying to take me down or make it about them or a competition. It was the most kind, thoughtful, gracious group of people just cheerleading for each other. And I was like, damn, these are my people. And it's so rare. Because you don't always feel that in every circle or Mm -hmm. in every environment. But yeah. Yeah. I think too, for me at least, I realized what I have learned just watching you is the example that you set in how you can treat people. And you're a little older than I am. And I think you have seen so much and experienced so much. And instead of coming at it in a way of, I know everything, let me show you and talk down to you, you truly meet people where they are and you're so supportive. And I would love for you to talk about how you've gotten to this point of inner knowing and self-love that you can show up for people in that way and not act better than or like I know more than you. Well, thank you for Mm -hmm. that. I don't know how to answer this question because I don't think I've ever... Thankfully, I think the byproduct of being so, so sensitive and going through my own mess um, and at one point feeling so broken is that I just haven't had a thought where I like know it all Mm. and where I am better than. (laughs) In fact, I had to come up from the other end where I was not good enough. And like I had to get to the middle instead of bringing down the top. So... You know, I think, God, it sounds so like trite, but like I've always just spoken because I've done therapy my whole life. I've just spoken to people how I have been spoken to and want to be treated. And I think there is so much, there's so much wounding wounding in our world, in this coaching world, in the spiritual um, development world, where unfortunately think, and I think I did this in the beginning, people are working from a place of wanting to be the source for other people. And if they can make this change or transformation happen, then they will be worthy and valued and seen. And I just don't think that the transformation comes from me. 
And when you do, if you're if you're responsible for the change, then you're equally as responsible for when it doesn't work. <laughs> and that takes what I've learned is that takes that's irresponsible and it's unkind because you're taking personal responsibility off of that person and you're saying in essence, I don't believe in you to be able to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that anything that I do comes from me and I, I mean like you guys can handle it but like from a very like woo spiritual place it comes from something greater than me I'm just the vessel I'm repeating things I've heard from everybody else and I've integrated into my own stories we're all it's like all original thought that we then you know take out and and share but like I learned it once from someone else mm-hmm. so like me acting like yeah I figured this all out and <laughs> hey this is my way and my program and my coaching will be the only thing that will save you I think there's a lot of that and I get where it comes from but I don't I don't I have been blessed to not sort of deal with that in my own mind yeah well babe I think you do a really good job of that too in your coaching I hear you repeating what people that you respect and admire say and you quote them all the time. I mean, you quote Mark Manson like every single day. <laughs> Isn't he the best? <laughs> I love him so, so, I so great. I want to book so bad. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like 20 pages in. Okay. It's, it's good though. Okay, I'll it's get very, it. It's very Mark Manson-y. Yeah. You delivered. But I love the way because I haven't really worked with clients much. You guys are, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. I think it's so cool that you can take so much of what you've learned from other people and then put your own spin on it and that way you can reach a different audience because maybe Mark Manson is not reaching the people you're reaching because you're digesting his material and then sharing it in your own way. And then you're able to help help people through him and he's a part of it. But then you you create the space in a different way so that they feel safe to utilize that. Yeah, I think it's a I think it has more to do with resonance than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like how the way we speak and the way we communicate has a lot to do with the way that people receive what we have to say. And for me, I, I enjoy... It's not like I have to try to do this, but it's an unpacking it on the other side of it, looking back and like, why does this work? It has to do with the way... Like I speak in a way that is... It resonates with certain people and also doesn't. People yeah. also think that I'm a fucking douche and that's fine too because I, you, you have to be polarizing. One of the greatest things I ever learned was like, my first job at like a really good CrossFit gym. I was at CrossFit Central. And my boss, he said something like, you know, Connor, like, some people don't like you. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, but some people fucking love you. And that's exactly what I want with the people that work for me. Because people that. have to people have to make their fucking mind up yeah. as to who you are, whether they like you or don't. Because if they don't decide, they won't remember who you are. Mm. And I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> well, and I see this in both of you, actually. I look at you and how you live your lives and how you show up. And I have such admiration because this truly is something I'm working on, right? This like, being okay with being disliked. Mm. Because if I have a friend of mine, Jessica, to give people credit, she always says, if you're saying, if you're reaching everyone, you're saying nothing. Mm. And I think that that that's true. And I also, I value like appropriateness and like meeting people where they are. So I've had to like come up against that value to then speak my truth. I also think nowadays, there's a lot of fear around speaking the truth because the trolls are awaiting. Yes. Oh yeah. And they are. I had and a couple like, of those this week just come out of the woodwork. I'm yeah. like, where are you? What is your deal with me? And like just last two weeks ago, you were asking you. me questions about on my Facebook, on my Instagram live, and now you're like coming at so, you. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I didn't. I don't know why. I did, did I do something to you? Did I say something you don't agree with? Like, I don't know. Well, and they're all going to react to you, to me, to yeah. anything, to a story they interpret. 
And I've had to learn to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, What gives me freedom to do that is knowing that if my heart is in the right place and I'm well-intended, then I can at least have peace, yeah. right? However it's received is then out of my control. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm like meeting this or whatever I'm sharing with my best effort, that, and that's what I've sort of learned. I have to understand that the people who will find me will somehow know enough of me to give me the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And the people who can't, are not my people. Yeah. But you two seem to really like have a lot of courage around this. And I, I draw a lot of inspiration from that because I'm still working on... And I think it keeps so many people from sharing important things for the fear of the peanut gallery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I, I get a lot of context on that from outside of the personal development world though too. That's why I love... That's one of the reasons I really love comedy and stand-up comedy in particular because... Bill Burr talks about this a lot because he gets really he catches a lot of he catches a lot of shit mm-hmm. because he says stuff that's ridiculous and whatever. But the thing yeah. about it is you got it, and he's not even the most controversial, right? No, he's like, certainly not. But he, he's he's it's he's in this weird middle ground where you have like and not to just throw names out there, but like Anthony Jeselnik, who is like so over the top dark that you're like obviously he doesn't mean what he's saying. Like this is ab- this is absurd, you know. Right. But it's funny because it's just so far out there. But his stuff is in that middle, like it's kind of true, and that's yeah. why it's funny. But he has to work these things out. And something he talks about is you, you've, you've got to be able to say what you feel, experience, think, and put it out there with the, and, and reserve the right to be wrong without becoming a f- terrible person because you said something once upon a time that was offensive. But that's the culture we live in. Exactly. You say like, one well, thing yeah. at one moment and we jump on you and we vilify you. Or you said it 15 years ago. Yes. And then Come now, to now today yes. it's unapp- inappropriate, but... 15 years ago, it was like no one said anything about it, right? Yes. And, it's, and then now you're, you know, you're Kevin Hart and you can't host the Oscars because of mm-hmm. it. You know, and it's like, well, that, that wasn't okay. Right. But that was, that was 10, 10 or 15 years ago. Why did, like, let's, let's, we've probably all changed a lot in the past decade. Yeah. Let's acknowledge yeah. that. And I think it's this virtue signaling a lot of times that people, when they do want to be hypercritical, it's like, this per, let me show you how virtuous I am by. Yes belittling somebody else. And yes. I was like, come on, we don't need that. That and doesn't no actually do anything no one's virtuous in every way. And that's what I've actually come up against. Like you see this a lot in the space. Like I know everything about relationships. I know everything about the environment. I know everything socio-politically going on. But I've never met one person who gets it all right. And so long as we're operating from this place of like, let me show you how you're getting it wrong versus like it's... People are already criticizing you for not having a seat at the table when you've never been invited. Yeah. Right? And so like when we can say, I care about this, I'm offering it to you, we're much more likely to hear it. But from from this like virtue, like signaling, I love how you said that. It's like, I'm using plastic straws and you're flying around the planet um, and that's a big carbon footprint. So like... It's like we're trying to be right so we can be okay. Yeah. But in in the being right and all that excessive righteous rightness, we are actually keeping people from coming over and seeing what we're trying to share. And we're speaking to people who already think the same that we way that we do. I yeah. see this on the news cha- channels, right? Like anyone on any of those polarizing channels are only speaking to their people. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in people who can get people to shift because it's an invitation. Like you might not agree with this at all, but let me share how I see it. You might, you know, and that I feel like is missing sometimes in our world and can be found in other worlds. And we can draw inspiration from people who are willing to be that. But the more that we do that, the more people will feel free to speak what they're feeling without condemnation and fear of being, I mean, truly like blacklisted for one human moment. Yeah. I've never met one person who hasn't said something that they've regretted. Which has which has no context based on intent. 
Yes. Like, what was the intent of this thing? Yes. You know, we were talking about uh, Laura and I on another podcast. She's been on your show, right? Yes. Yeah. So Laura and I were talking about stand-up comedy for mm-hmm. the night of the thing. And I was like, I got up. I offended the majority of the room. But then because it wasn't like I was malin, it wasn't any intent. It was just like, I, it was my first time doing it and I was trying to do a thing. And then because of that experience, I was like, okay, how can I rework this thing to make it more accurately depict what I'm, what I'm trying to get across? And, and how can that be received in a way? And that's how I try and look at everything that I do is like, okay, I, but I can maybe be wrong and I'm probably going to upset people, but I won't know that I'm going to upset people unless I try. Yes. And then that knowing deep down that's not my intention is, isn't right. to hurt anyone. Right. Can I rework what I'm trying to say and refine it and, and, and listen to what the feedback is right. without taking it like, oh, I'm broken or I'm sad or I mean, I'm, I'm a bad person because I upset someone. And I think that attachment... Especially when you're trying to sell something, which is what I always feel like vanilla personal development people who everybody seems to like until they don't, and things like CNN and Fox News. Until they don't. And, yeah, exactly. And like, like Fox News is selling you pharmaceutical drugs and whatever their advertisers say. So they need you to be riled up to sell you blood pressure medicine or whatever the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to sell you something. And if they're speaking to you that directly and pandering to your emotions, they're probably trying to sell you something on the back end of that, generally speaking. Yeah. It's very effective. It works for state shareholders. Yeah. I think the interesting thing watching you, Tiff, especially online is I feel like you upset people a lot. And we've talked about this a little bit, even with your own friends. I remember I said something nice to you in response to a story. And you said, like, this means so much to me because I'm, I'm not getting the support from some of my friends and the people in my life. And it got me thinking, I was like, because I, you know, I, I definitely put you on a pedestal in a lot of ways and I look up to you and I think you're so amazing. I'm like, how could anyone not think what Tiffany does is so incredible? <laughs> I get it. Like you're human and we all have these experiences, but I see you as this incredibly brilliant, educated woman who um, has so much knowledge, but you're also so beautiful, such a babe. And you post pictures in yoga clothes and, and your workout wear and you look really hot but you're also sharing a very thoughtful, intelligent caption. And you're also tapping into this emotional, spiritual space. But you also get like body treatments and you're at spas and you have two places that you live. And it seems like sometimes no matter what you do, you're always made to be the villain. Like you can't do something right. It's like, but you're too hot. Oh, but you're not allowed to get this treatment, but you can't do that. And it's like, there is no winning sometimes. And I know that that has been something you've had to sort of work through and, and kind of navigate. Yeah, I think that it comes back to what we were talking about before. Like, there's always going to be a reaction. And I think for me, there's this perception based on what I look like that I've had a certain kind of life. And what's fascinating is is I've had that with clients. Like from from the moment I started this work, I thought you were going to be a certain way and I sat down and talked to you and I didn't feel that. I don't identify with um, the story of of my exterior. I actually think about it like very infrequently, um, but I know that that's the first thing that people can see. And so I think people see that. They think privilege. And yes, I've had privilege in terms of my skin color and now have worked to create and, and a lot of other nuanced things, right? Um, but I actually had a very underprivileged upbringing. Um, and I had a lot of, you know, there's a trauma worksheet that you can do. I think it's like a list of 10 things. It's been so long since I've seen it that you identify like high risk factors for difficulty in life based on an absent parent or this or that or this in your family system. And like 
we got it all like I in my family. And so we've but we've also had a lot of support and work and we were just talking about this on our podcast Connor like about me going to therapy. So I think there's a story of what I must be like based on what I look like. And I think that has been something I've come up against a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I do at times feel like... And I think this is also just responsible, right? Like when I'm doing a spa treatment, I come on and say, hey, this wasn't always accessible to me financially. This is why I'm doing this. This is all I've done. And I just want to be transparent so people can understand like my relationship to it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm doing this as a way to take care of myself. But like I know I'm more than my face. Mm And I know that I'm more than my body. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a complicated thing. And I have to be mindful of my people pleasing in that and my holding back. Because believe me, I'm, we talk about this and I've seen you talk about this in your work, Kelly, all the time. That instinct to dim in order to be more palatable to people, to feel make people feel okay about themselves. Um, that instinct to downplay and not be too much or too mm-hmm. big is so strong still, even though I've been working on this for a long time. I don't act upon it as as much, hardly at all anymore, but it's there, mm-hmm. right? And like, I shouldn't wear the yoga clothes. I, I, I love this brand. I've been wearing them since I was in college and had no money and found them at TJ Maxx for mm. $16.99 <laughs> and wore them. And then they saw me wearing them and they're like, hey. And so I feel that like maybe if I just didn't wear yoga pants I would be more accessible to people. And then I just have to say, like, that's what I want to wear right now. In 10 years, maybe I don't. But if if that's not okay for somebody, then they need to find the person, and no offense, but who's going to sit behind a desk and pretend that they're coaching in a button-up shirt and that will feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's hard. Where do you feel like the people pleasing came in for you? Oh, since the moment I was like, I was the oldest family hero, like just really highly sensitive and attuned, my family, you know, dynamics. And and it's become a superpower of mine, right? So I'm actually grateful for that. My my childhood created a sensitivity. Brought a muck, it creates discomfort, but managed, it's a it's a real thing that helps me connect with people. But yeah, from the moment I could imagine I was always very aware of anyone's energy and if I was um, you know, could could adjust what I was doing to make someone feel better. So it's like definitely Hardwired. When you when you are people pleasing and you feel like you're doing something to, to get validation or to make someone else feel good, and you're not successful in that, what does that feel like for you? Or what is the dialogue in your head that that says about who you are when you have not succeeded in that? Well, in the past, it would be like you know not enough, or I'm just not that interesting, or how. I, I I failed if I wasn't helping this person in this way. Now it now I have really surrendered and learned to value everyone else's responsibility for their life. And I see now my role as a as support and not source. Mm. And so that's given me a lot of freedom. But yeah, once upon a time that people pleasing just it it was it felt like as natural as breathing, right? Like yeah. just like this is what I do. And this is, and I didn't even recognize when I would shape shift or like, you know, be all of a sudden over in them and not in my own life and worrying about them and doing things that I didn't have to give or, you know, so yeah, it's God, there's so much freedom. I just like, I think about it as we're talking about it. I'm like, oh, that's so exhausting. Yeah. Offloading that burden. Yeah. For sure. 
How did that show up in relationships for you in the past? Because I know you and Luke have a very different dynamic now, but oh, it seems yeah. like it has been definitely a journey in that way of finding yourself within relationship. Oh God, absolutely. This is the healthiest relationship of my life. He is the healthiest man emotionally I've ever met. Um, but once upon a time, I would, I would absolutely struggle to take up space in a relationship to feel like my needs or my feelings were safe to be shared or even needed to be shared. I would anticipate the needs of my partner. In essence, and this is a lot of the work that I do now, I've really learned to like understand masculine and feminine energy. But in essence, I was rowing the boat. And anytime sort of you pick up the oars and you try to drive the relationship, you can see that as doing and doing as masculine energy, mm-hmm. being as feminine. So I thought that by doing and anticipating any need and making the best cookies and don't you love my turkey tacos that then I would be you know the epitome of what someone would want and then they would choose me and I would be okay but what I was missing is then that just became people getting used to me doing I wasn't showing up in my heart and then I wasn't receiving what I needed to and then it would take me a long time you know, to wake up to that and build. And then it's not, it's resentment. It's just like, I didn't exist. So yeah, I mean, talk about healing a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, over, over-functioning, over uh, overwhelmed. And yeah, I asked... Then you have a mom, not exactly. a partner. Well, and that's something that Connor and I have been working through, which is why he's giggle monster over here because yeah, he's I laughing at me, is like, I have been the mom in every relationship. I find men that have mommy issues and issues with women so that I can step into that role and take care of them because I have been a people pleaser and codependent and I have needed people to need me so that I feel valued. And so he, he, I mean, he's called me out and he's like, okay, thanks mom. And I'm like, oh God, I'm doing it. (laughs) And he's for the most part, pretty playful with it. When I tell him what to do, then he gets very frustrated. But for the most part, he's been amazing about like, reminding me what I'm doing. But it's... I have been in the masculine my whole life. And I learned this from my mom. She has been in the masculine her whole life. And it was a coping mechanism for her because her father was incredibly abusive and horrible. So she was like the protector of everyone, including herself. And I learned that's how you operate. And so being with Connor, which like you said with Luke, this is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in before it's an opportunity for me to move into my feminine. And I struggle with that because I'm a badass boss bitch. Yes. And I'm like, go, go, go. Yes. But then when I'm in the relationship, I like want to take that step, step back and be in the feminine. And it's really hard to figure out how to walk that line. Yeah. And also to do that so that he can be in the masculine right. and take care of me and make decisions and allow for that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my mustache puts me pretty firmly in the masculine oh right God. now. <laughs> If that's a stem, that isn't a symbol, I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think, and I think I was having this conversation at our dinner last night with a man, a masculine energy man. Like, I, it doesn't matter the sex or, you know, identified mm-hmm. of your relationship. Like, usually people are swinging between masculine mm-hmm. and feminine energies. And usually each person has a preference for which energy they like to be in in a romantic partnership. Now, that doesn't mean work relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of my clients who I work with are women like you, incredibly successful. That masculine energy has helped you. It's mm-hmm. served you. It's allowed you to take action. And we're not saying don't do it. And and then there's this thing where this like 
sassy attitude and then comes out online like women, men can't handle a strong woman. No, yeah. no, sorry. That's not it. <laughs> Healthy men love an intelligent, strong woman. They want to feel... health. What I found, this is just in my work and my research, men who have done the work and are in masculine energy, giving and doing is a big part of that. And they want to feel like they are able to give that to their partners and that it's received. And when that makes that their partner feel good, they feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so when we aren't allowing that from our partner, we're blocking the way that they show love and they're blocking, we're blocking the way that they feel it from us. There's something there too, though. I've had a lot of conversations with guys who have been with women that have been, I would say, conditioned more than, more than anything to just kind of... I want to say like take. Mm. It's like a taking type of vibe. It's like that you know you need to take care of me. You need to do yes. this. And this is what men do. And it's this whole thing. And they're like, dude, I just want to... I just would like to be with somebody who like makes her own money and like takes care... Can take care of herself. And then it's a giving yes. thing. It's like... because Then I do it because I want to, not because she expects me to do all this shit. And I'm like, I just, I'm just trying. And at the same time, like there's this weird place we're at where there's equality. And a lot of times women make more money than men, depending on what industry you're in. But say you guys both work at Facebook, like it's highly likely you're going to get paid the same and she may make more. And then there's still this this whole bunch of expectations that have been kind of... We're in a weird middle ground, I feel like. And, And for so many guys, I think it's like, yeah, I want someone who's assertive and can take care of themselves. And then it's then it's more I get to give because I want to, not because you need me to like take care of you. Yes. But I want to be able to take care of you in ways that feel good. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a challenging conversation to have with yourself. And amongst men, it, it gets really, really wonky sometimes. Yes. Because it's, it's, there's one or the other. You find the girl who doesn't want any of your help and doesn't want you to open the car door ever right. because she can handle it yourself and you're right. part of the patriarchy or someone who wants you to like pay all their bills and that whole thing. And it's like, where's the middle ground here where like we're all looked at each other like side by side versus somebody, you know, towing the other one around. Well, and isn't it too about communication in your partnership and asking for what you need and how you want to be supported? Like, I really like when he carries the bags and opens the door for me. I feel so taken care of the way he showed up yesterday at the event and was just like coordinating and handling things and being so amazing and giving me kisses every time he walked by and telling me I was doing a great job. And I felt so supported and so taken care of. It was my event that I did, but I didn't feel like I did everything because I had that support where he was stepping in but I also think that part of that is our conversations and what we need. And we're still you know, seven months in. So we're still figuring out our groove. Yeah. Even when we were in Denver and we were in the car and I said, I would really love for you to make more decisions. And he said, well, give me examples of what that means. Because so often he defaults to me because I'm a little more picky with where are we going to eat or what are we going to do? Yeah. But for me, I'm like, but I want you to decide and tell me what we're doing. So it's like this interesting back and forth where like, what does that mean? What do we want? When do I actually want you to make decisions? When do I want you to ask me what I want? It's like a... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, it takes time. And it never, yeah. I think it's always evolve, changing mm-hmm. depending on the situations that you're in. Like your event, even with your event, I purposefully didn't get involved all that much because I wanted you to do it. Like you were doing it for yourself. You would do it. This is an idea that happened you know, right when we started dating and it was cool. It, it was fun for me to watch you do your thing. I was, in, I was 100% there as like a support role. But even until the event came, like you 
it was your thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was fucking awesome. And I was I was very attracted to you watching you do all the things. I felt that so and much. Even at the event, it was so great. And I was like, yeah, I was carrying stuff and setting stuff up and doing as much coordination as I could. But it wasn't from any. None of it was from a place, and this was very conscious. Like none of it was from a place of me taking anything away from you. Mm-hmm. Like it was if I was needed or yeah. was helpful, but it was. I like, noticed that you could feel that. Yeah, it was. Even in the, in the talks we're giving, it was like it was very much. And when we do like the realness retreat, that's kind of more my thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the I'm same, in it's, the support it's, role. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And I can ask you to help me do a thing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it was very much just trying to keep you in your, in your place as far as like where you, where you, where you earned the place that you earned in that situation because you created something that was really mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. I was going to actually, I didn't know if I wanted to bring this up, but I thought this would be cool and to get your input on this because you're now our psychologist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So I felt like you were so attracted to me yesterday. Yeah. And I was hella, we had I was hella great damp. sex last night. <laughs> Get it? Great <laughs> sex last night. And this morning, actually. Oh. Um, but I was like, I, I, was, I wanted to ask you about that. I wondered what was going on for you that you felt that way. Because I feel like you're attracted to me all the time. But that was like a different level. And I felt like it was driven by respect. Yeah. And I, respect so. is a big thing for him. Well, it was that. And also like when you put an event on like that, like the last week, I was just like, could not be bothered with any of it. Like any, like I was doing, I was like redesigning my website and then I was helping do the thing. And then it was a lot. And it we was just like... House yeah, and- <laughs> all the All the stuff was happening. And I was like, I couldn't be bothered. It was... It was it was all finally there, and I was like, I could I was as as crazy as the event was, which was run really well. So it wasn't that it was really well coordinated, and there was a, there was very little stress aside from just being doing the thing all day. It was nice to it was like more relaxing to be in that, and it was all happening, and everybody was mm-hmm. having a great time. So it was more like I think it was a little bit that I hadn't had that feeling for a few days, and I wouldn't in any any time we do an event like that, that's probably going to be the case. It yes. was just r- oh, real world stuff. Like there wasn't any issues. It was just like there's circumstantially, a dance yeah, of like yeah, space and coming together and so seeing it. And seeing you in like full bad bitch mode. It was just like, all right, this is this is hot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was, I it thought was, it was also hot, fun so like... too. It was really fun. We were both doing our thing, and it was like so. It was respect and playfulness and admiration and, and all of that stuff kind of tangled together into me just being really into it. Mm. <laughs> so into I it. Love that. As we talk with such a powerful boss lady, Tiffany Louise, I want to take a second to introduce you to a company that I really, really support and respect and am honored to be able to partner with. Needed is a woman-founded, very thoughtful nutrition company. And they're on a mission to create broader nourishment through better supplements. And they focus a lot on education and community. So they're really working to empower moms, moms moms-to-be, raising my hand over here, to better identify nutritional needs. And then they find a way to address them through their products that work better in the body and in daily life. Their whole thing is about liposomal delivery. So they have created an omega-3 that is a vegan powder And it is delivered in liposomes, which are nature's way of delivering omegas, like a piece of salmon or in breast milk. And why they work so well is because they have the highest possible absorption. So their product is proven to be five times better absorbed than standard fish oil pills. And you'll see 
it comes in a powder you can mix in food and shakes and it is absorbed in a very different way. So when they do their testing, you're able to see after a month how much improved your blood looks because of the absorption rate of needed. It is unlike anything else on the market. And honestly, you guys, I love this company because they just freaking get it. They come from a place of such integrity. They care about people so much. They lose money. They don't get the marketing that I believe they should get because they care so much about us and what we are doing and putting in our bodies that that is the first and foremost thing. When they look to grow, when they look to partner with people, it is all about who they are, the community they have, and how needed can support them. It is so, so special. And I have become really close with their co-founder, Julie. And she is such a special woman. And I am just thrilled to be able to share this company with you. They are such big cheerleaders and mentors and amazing people. And I really, really believe in what they're doing. So they are so kind. They have created some simple at-home blood testing and our listeners can get a free omega-3 DHA and EPA test with the start of a needed subscription. So kind. So here's what I want you guys to do. Go to thisisneeded.com, enter code KellyT at checkout, and get that test. We did this for everyone at Ceremony Wellness Live so people could get their test done. And then they got a full month supply of needed packets. And I'm so excited to see the results of what happens after everyone uses their products. So head over there to This Is Needed and make sure you're getting the best omega-3s that are on the market. I want to go back to something that you said, if it's okay, earlier. Because I think you brought up a really good point about like, how do you signal like, yeah, I want you to do this. And like, when do I want? And so what I found, and you tell me if this resonates for you, but it's like women who are in that masculine energy really do want you and you want and you need to find men who have ideas that you respect. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be with him if you didn't respect the choices that he made and want him to sort of Some steer of the ship, right? <laughs> Some of them, right? 90%. Not all of them. But what he gets to do is say, hey this is what I'm thinking and check in with you and you get to respond from the feeling. Mm -hmm. Like if he says, hey, I want to go eat here, then you say, you know what? That would feel really, really good, right? And then he gets a win because he's meeting the feeling. Mm -hmm. And so what we don't do is like, because sometimes we think we want what we're saying we want from someone else. Like, Like you were talking about women who either don't want anything or want everything. Well, that's not a healthy individual, right? So... So we're talking about like once we've gotten to a healthy place where like I'm responsible for myself, my emotions and my life, but I want you as a compliment, not as a source. Yeah. That's what's attractive to a man, right? And I hear that from men all all the time. I want her to want me, not need me. Yeah. Right? And but yet, if there is a woman who is like cut, cut, cutting you off every time you're trying to give, you will likely not find yourself attracted to her yeah. if you're a healthy man in masculine energy. Yeah. No, sorry, I'll get the door. No, it's okay. I'll cook for you. I'll do this for you. And But not because it's it's from her wounding, not from a place of like blocking your giving and receiving, right? Yeah. So like, I think that's the middle ground where dudes, I hear that from a lot. Like, I just want a girl who like 
But actually, when they get the girl that they don't really have to give anything to or pursue, they're not attracted to her for yeah. very long. Yeah. So I hear this from a lot of dude relationship coaches. And sometimes they're really, really wise. And sometimes they're like, yeah, girl, be fun and come up and plan a date. And like, put yourself out there and text him first. But what I find ends up happening for men in masculine energy, are they're like, why is she so thirsty? Why is she like working harder than I am? Yeah. And something shifts in the relationship bubble. So I follow a coach that I love. Her name is Rory Ray. And she talks about like, imagine your relationship inside of a bubble. If one person moves forward, where? Because there's only so much space. Where does the other person have to go? Mm. Back. So when women lean in, in masculine energy, trying to row the boat, trying to make things happen, push a timeline, men just naturally lean back. Yeah. And so the art of a healthy woman is one who is lean back, is in masculine energy in her own life, like taking care of her own shit, but then is able to receive the yeah. feminine energy. I know it's nuanced, but that's no, what I'm finding amazing. is really artful. It makes a lot of sense. And one thing that came up with us is in the process, and I guess something I'm kind of addicted to doing, it's just like, why, is thing, why are things happening the way they are? And I think that the balance comes when I understand, and this is a lot of, of trust in this too, but there's parts of our relationship where Kelly is the most knowledgeable and leads. Mm-hmm. And there's parts where that's the inverse. Right. And being clear on that, where it's like, generally speaking, in this situation, whatever it is, Kelly's going to know more and have better ideas. And, and I'll have input, but it's not like that's not really my area of expertise. Right. So that's like Kelly's lead, leads in that. When right. sp- food, great mm-hmm. example. It's like you have more specifications and I kind of abide by that. And I'm like, I just trust that you know more about that than I do. And you're gonna, I'm going to default to that with you. And I think when it comes to like the podcast stuff, like that's something I've done much more of and been much more immersed in. Easy examples, there's way bigger ones than mm-hmm. that. But it's like, I kind of, you default to me on what I have to say with your input. It's not like I'm always right, you're always wrong. Right. It's like there's, right. there's a collaboration there, but it's clear that there's a leadership role there and a leadership role in different areas. And it's, it's, I think there's more, the more, and the more time goes on, like when there's kids involved or other things like that, like those have to be redefined and there's yes. different areas. But I think being really clear on who leads where and who, who's more, uh, knowledgeable and capable and competent yes. in certain areas is actually really helpful because then yes. once that's that's a little bit easier, a little more tangible. Yeah. And then the other stuff, the the flow where it can flow is a lot is is yes. much easier and there's less pressure because you're not fighting over the things where it's clearly someone else's the leadership role in the relationship. Well doesn't this speak to power dynamics? Yeah. And something that we have been going through and experiencing is the the power the, the money and the sex power and how that's being used and where we feel our insecurities being triggered and popping up. And so then we're having to make up for it in other ways when we feel a lack of power in one place and insecurity. And then we're trying to take power in another way. So if it's insecurity with money and financial power, then in the bedroom, it's like imposing power there. And then I get to dictate and be in control in that aspect. So I think... Yeah, it's like knowing where you can lead and where you you are in a more maybe sturdy place. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting too. I would love your take of like the power dynamics of how that works and how you work through that with someone when one person makes more money and then you're not having to make up for that in the bedroom because you're feeling like, well, I don't I don't make the decisions here. How do right. I make up for this myself? Well, so how I coach is it's and how I've sort of learned like a model of guidance for this is truly for women. It's really about 
if they want to be in the feminine energy, mostly in the relationships, not like once you've established something, you're not going to signal like, hey, yeah. I'm taking the lead on grocery shopping or this with the kids or just whatever. You can, you've learned how to signal like what you were just talking about when you're going to shift. But when you're feeling... Listen, when we're in our healthiest space, we're not trying to control anything, mm-hmm. right? And we also don't need power because it's not a sense of security and safety. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're in this situation, we're activated, we're triggered. So the best place to meet that is with your feelings because you're, whenever you try to lead from that energy of the activation or the head, really, as women. So that's just... I'm speaking to those people who are listening right now. When you drop into your heart and you are able to say, I am feeling uncertain. I'm feeling really like freaked out that I'm not here, that this is happening. Help me. Like, can I share this with you? What do you think? And then you signal to the man, I trust you with my feelings. I trust myself enough to be honest about what I'm in. I'm responsible for that. And I'm allowing you an opportunity to problem solve before I try to exert dominance Mm. or whatever it might be. And then men who want to be in masculine energy feel empowered to have a solution because men want to have a solution. They don't want to feel like they're in a situation. Men are better than at this than we are. Fucking love solving problems. And Give you don't. And You're so you don't, good at it, babe. And you don't tolerate <laughs> shit like in general. Yeah. Like we do. Like if you don't like someone, you probably aren't like, oh well, I should. I'm just gonna hang out with this dude all the time, and I feel bad, and I should like. Women are much more likely to do that. And so we are used to not being honest, then we're not congruent. So if you're like triggered about something, acting out in a different space, you don't build trust with him because you're not being... What you're feeling is not congruent with what you're doing. Mm. And you're not allowing him the opportunity to win and fix. Mm. That doesn't mean win at the cost of someone else losing. No, it means win and find a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So I think whenever we're triggered and whenever we're finding discord, the best thing we can do, and it sounds so basic, but it's so frightening for us as women, is to be honest, this is how I'm feeling and I'm noticing that I want to do this and I don't know and I feel really angry. And I also... And like none of these are like fancy words. One of the words I use all the time to talk about how I'm feeling is yucky. Like that, like I just can't... I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get in my head. I'm in my body. I just feel yuck. That felt yucky. I don't know. What do you think? And then it allows him to be like, yeah, she's not saying I'm fine with her arms crossed and like taking it out (laughs) on me in some other way where I can't Mm -hmm. win. So that I think is, is the solution to everything. I like that too, because I'm not necessarily good at coming to you and asking you. I sometimes I feel because I step in and give advice unsolicited, right? So then I would I expect him to do that. And he's had to teach me this for sure, which I appreciate immensely. He's like, sometimes I just want to talk through my stuff. I don't need you to step in and tell me how to live my life. That's not what I'm asking for. I have not... And when he does want my advice, he will ask me. I would say that that is the biggest thing I have stopped doing. And that has created incredible well-being in my life, not to give men unsolicited mm-hmm. advice. Not to give anyone without asking permission. But the minute you step into that role, what are you telling them by doing that? I don't think you can do it yourself. Yeah, you don't trust him. And I need to tell you so that you can figure it out. Yes. And that just cuts a masculine man off at the knees because men need to feel respected. So when we jump in, we're telling them, I need, I'm going to solve this for you, honey. <laughs> and um, 
And then they're like, well, and even I can notice it when I jump into that with my guy, like it's, I've worked on it so much and I'll just find myself doing it. And it's not that he won't go like, yeah, that's a great idea. It's not like he thinks it's stupid, but it doesn't connect us in the way that I want to be connected. It puts me in a mentorship or a teaching role and not in that like, I don't need that from him. Mm -hmm. I can get that anywhere else in my life. Well, and I experienced that this week. You were having a really hard day. I don't remember what it was or what was happening. And he like, just like mouth diarrhea, just like all the things, it was all happening. And I just sat there and I just looked to him and I listened. And then at the end, he was like, what? Like waiting for me to say something. And I was like, I know you'll figure this out. Like, it's okay. <laughs> well, because you're sometimes you're used to hearing that from her. Yeah. Even if you don't like it, we're used to the pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I didn't do it. And I was, yeah, I was like good. gave myself kudos. Well, the thing about it was too, I was like, just, com- you know what it is. Like when you're in a relationship, I was just complaining about shit that wasn't going to change. There wasn't any, there wasn't any fixing it. It was just like, you know, building a website is fucking stupid. It's just venting. <laughs> you know, just like, right. this is fucking mm-hmm. annoying. And this thing isn't working and the clicking here and I'm trying to, you know, of course I'll figure it out, but it's like, it was just that on top. And it was a, it was a, a stressful week. It was anyways. a very stressful week. There's a lot going on and everything because of we're looking at moving and all that stuff, like everything just got pushed up. So it was like, right. well, it was supposed to take, you know, three weeks. Like, okay, do it in three days, right. which is, was fine. And that shit happens. It's kind of the nature of the beast. Right. But I was just, I didn't, there wasn't anything to be fixed. It was right. just like, I just want to bitch about this. But if she would have tried to, Connor, you need to work on, you know, time management. And if you would only think about it this way, you might not feel this way. Like, yeah. Nobody wants that. No. Yet we're so used to being the solver of problems and the performer and the fixer as women. Like we have this idea, like if I'm just Betty Crocker and I do all things right and I say all things right, he will love me. Mm-hmm. When in essence, when we're in that mode, we actually block them from loving who we are being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noticed myself getting frustrated because he's not giving me advice. And I realized that it is my responsibility to ask him to step in and so I love that you were saying that because it, that was like a light bulb moment for me where I was like, no, I need to ask him and then he can help me problem solve. It's funny you say that because... And t- but I, it's not... Whenever you ask, I always have something to say. Amazing. Yeah, but it's like, I'm not going to say it until you like... Because I don't want to take, it, I don't wanna take it away from yes. you. I would, and that's the thing with any human being. I think this is even a parenting relationship. It's like, I mean, if you have the opportunity to figure it out, like, and there's not a time crunch... I would prefer you to figure it out for yourself and then we can talk about it. But unless you really are like stuck with something, but I don't want to take that away from you. Mm-hmm. Asking think- men though what they think is one of the most powerful and respectful things we can do. Um, and and you, then you need to be responsible to be with a man who you want to know what he thinks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you've done your work, right? So you're going to give her personal responsibility. You're going to show up open-hearted and listen and support and wait to be asked, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so that's a really healthy thing too. But like we were like, we're a lot of times we're just programmed and primed, like waiting for the response and then we get it and then we're like pissed. Yeah. Because we're like, we're used to getting it, but then we're like, don't tell me what to do. Right. But like (laughs) so nobody likes everyone once once something happens and I say, Kelly, do you want feedback? You've chosen. And then whatever comes, you are more likely to receive it because it's your choice to hear it. Mm. Versus drop in, you know, what you should do. Even if we can hear truth in it, we resist it more. It's just like how we're programmed. It's true. Well, and I've noticed this with you. We've talked about this a little bit is even with the house situation and moving, 
I was really, really pushing it and I was really inflicting my ideas and plans on him. And I was reaching just resistance over and over. And I was like, this is a disaster. And he finally, we had a, you know, a come to Jesus moment. And he was like, I don't want to leave LA right now. Like I cannot do it. And so I backed the fuck off. And in my head, I was like, maybe I'll revisit this in a year. A couple months later, he comes to me. He's like, let's go. Letting him make the decision and be in choice rather than pushing my stuff on him in every aspect of our lives, this was just like kind of a big example, has helped so much because he does trust me. And he even said when we were in Denver looking at houses, you know, I I don't remember what you said, but it was something along the lines of like, you were so right. This is where we're meant to be. And thank you for letting me come to this decision myself. That's not how I said that. But But, you know, I mean, you can say it, but that's where, (laughs) what did you say? I don't remember. Okay, but it was something along but that was those the lines. Effect, yeah, intent. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was so it was so nice to hear from him because it was it was a reflection back to me that this is the kind of freedom that you can have in a relationship when you let someone else make a choice and you yes. don't push all your stuff on them. Yes. Well, we didn't have to be in a hurry either because the hard thing with me was like this all had happened so fast and I had tried to get to LA or you know I was trying to get from Austin to LA and I had my business and it wasn't like I started this whole podcast coaching business with like a savings account. Right. You know, it's like it was it was oh. I got it was a thing that happened kind of out of out of a, a, chaos, a really chaotic time, which I think is why it works. And to build the stability out of that chaos was a, something I've been incredibly proud of. And it was it was one of those things where I'd, tr- I'd gotten to a place where I really was proud of myself for being there. And it felt like it was getting like taken away from me. Mm. And it, I just had to get... I had to get to a place where I was ready to leave regardless. Like I was like, okay, I've done what I need to do here. I feel where I, I feel... I feel a, a balance in what's about to happen. It's gonna work, but I just had to. There was a lot more for me to puzzle out than there was for you because you you had been here for a long time and you were you had been ready to leave, mm-hmm. and I had just gotten here and just shown up and had some good friends and was enjoying myself and and had never really even seen you know like like all the stuff I wanted to do. You and were building, people, yeah, yeah. And now and it it's felt like, like an exit in the middle of a build. And I didn't have enough time to like make the move to Denver make sense. And then I had to think about, well, how does this make sense? How is it going to work? It took me a little while. Yeah. And I was literally sitting on Lincoln in traffic trying to like fucking turn left and it was like losing my shit. And I'm like, give me the fuck out of this place. <laughs> yeah. He came home and he's like, we need to talk. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And then I was like, okay, cool. Like this is, I've got what I needed to get out of this. And now yeah. I see how it makes sense to actually, re- I had to just kind of reframe the whole situation. Right. Not that I was following somebody, that I was like, we were doing a thing together. Well, and it goes back to the respect and the trust. I knew that he was going to want to move. Like, I just intuitively in my heart knew that he wasn't going to want to stay in LA forever. When that was going to happen, I didn't know, but I knew that. And I knew that this was right for us. And he does trust me in a lot of that kind of decision making. And I appreciate that. But in return, trusting and respecting him to go in his own process and know that he will always find a way and figure it out. And and do it himself. That was it's just so huge, and I've just never had that before. It's such a new feeling. Yeah. Um, and for me, being con- controlling so much um, in my past, and you know, I call myself a recovering perfectionist and that kind of thing. It's hard to show that kind of trust and respect to someone else because that means that I'm relinquishing my control of the outcome, and that is very painful in a lot of ways. But look at the beauty that comes from that. Yes, and. What you did was say, I can hear an answer and not like it, 
but respect it. Mm -hmm. And then I am responsible for how I choose to meet this, right? So we can share how we feel, allow someone the opportunity to be in their own process. But then when you're healthy and you're like, your whole world isn't contingent on if he agrees with where you are, you pivot and then you get the opportunity to say, okay, how does that work for me? What am I going to do? How long does it feel okay to wait? How long, you know? And that is the dance that you were talking about earlier about like, feeling like a woman is autonomous yeah, and can let you be in your process and take responsibility for her own life, yet wanting to partner with you from a mm-hmm. place of healthy choice. And there's another thing that you talked about that I just want to give a, a, a resource to anybody who might be listening. That's really important for people in relationships. Have you heard of um, Alison Armstrong and like the development of men? No. I think you sent that to me when I called yes, you when I we did. were in a little rough spot. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. And there's um, uh, another tool, a book called Keys to the Kingdom that mm. I think she writes. And it's, it's a, a great story. But she talks about there's like different developmental stages of men. There's um, page, knight, prince, and king. And when you're a page, you're like high school, like fucking around, like whatever having fun, night, off on adventures in groups. Think about college, like charging out, um, you know, having these you know, experiences, not really ready to commit. And then there's the prince and the king phase. And how I've read her work is like, some men are able to commit and build with a partner in a prince phase, but princes are building a kingdom. And that doesn't have to mean great material wealth. It's they're building what matters to them. They're building a sense of stability and solidness. And for some men, they just can't, bring someone in until they've built enough of that to have the vision for how they're going to provide mm. or partner in their kingdom. And so what I hear you were saying is, and wherever you are on that, that's for you to decide. Is like you are in the midst of building and men who are in that energy are going to maybe love their partners. But that for many men is how they then feel a sense of self to show up for you. So that's actually how they love the best is when they have that groundedness. Oh my God. And what yeah, oh my that god! Makes sense because, so, <laughs> oh, you're so good. It's uh, it's not me. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You yeah. so good. That was well, Christine. Amazing. So Christine Hassler talked. I think it yes. was probably the similar similar th- mindset. But I was in when I lived in in San Diego, and I had her on my show. And it, Kelly and I had just met, and I was talking about. I don't think we we hadn't even met in real life yet, had we? We've just been talking a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, there was a lot going on internally with me and things were changing. It was like, this is this is substantial. And I knew it was No, it was the week we met, I think. Yeah, something, something like, it was around yeah. that. We may have met and one You were time. like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and I was, so I was talking to Christine, who I respect immensely, and she's mm-hmm. been on both of our shows a couple of times. But um, she was, we were, I was talking through all of this and her being who she is. She was like, it sounds like this person is what is missing in your whole thing. Like this is the thing that you like the thing that you feel like isn't missing from a place of lack, but it's like the it's like Wanting. the yeah. There's like something there where like you're you're running you're you've done the thing, and now it's like there's there's something else that needs to be a part of this, and I think it sounds like it's this person, which was such an in, intense thing to yeah. hear. And I was like, oh Jesus Christ! But um, I barely know this broad. Yeah, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> but it, but it made sense and it resonated. So when you said that, it, it very much is that, and even the. The whole like Prince King thing kind of like throws me off. That. I, I know. Of, I don't it's, it's, see it's it in cool... the sense of like a s- reaching a level. I see it as like where you on are on the journey to being yeah. in your purpose. Yeah. Not like 
you think king and kingdom? Like it's not that. I yeah. I don't think. I think it's just like I've reached a place where I can bring someone in and be available energetically for someone else because I don't need it all to focus here. Exactly. And right. I think this I is me that too. That's so good because it makes me realize the resistance in that you've had in this relationship in ways that I have just yet to understand. I'm like, I don't get it. You are and have been in that building phase. And then I took you out of that and made you travel all over the country with me and do all these things. And you lost any sense of the stability you were creating. I took you out of where he was on his journey to come be on mine rather than respecting where he was and me staying on mine. And then allowing him when he was ready, which I feel like has just shifted in the last couple of weeks of where he's like ready to welcome me in. Yes. And that's, I, I want to take responsibility for that. And we've talked about this a bit, but not in this way of truly interrupting his path and not maliciously or no. selfishly, but being like, oh, come be with me and do this thing. And it's like, but if I respect you and where you are, I wouldn't ask that of you. Yes. And... We as women take that personally mm-hmm. when someone isn't available. And when we see that it has nothing to do with us, and truly, like I look at my guy, his, I'm his priority, but work and his passion is how he provides that love and like he's filled so he can love me. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually, I've learned like, what he does with his work or his purpose, like everything that you... I mean, you're, you're a freaking purpose-filled dude. Like it oozes <laughs> out of you. You know, like I've been hanging out with you for two days. Like you're passionate. And so you can... For me in my relationship, I can see how that's not uh, his space over there or his like pause on this to get this right. It had nothing to do with me. And, and, and in a sense, it had everything to do with me because it's what allowed him to be present. To yes. Me. And when that's first... It's actually him putting me first because he's filling him up. Yeah. And so it's it's a real hard thing. And like we can accept too, this is also timing. You guys aren't there, but I, I mean, how many of us have, have relationships where just someone isn't available mm-hmm. and we try to make them be, and especially doing that to a man, like ain't gonna end well, no. sister. Even if you get him where he want, you want him, you won't feel chosen. Yeah. Maybe you take away the power of choice. Right. And then the, the dude or whoever's in that energy, whoever's been manipulated feels, feels that, mm-hmm. feels resentment. And so it's really, it's a dance. It's an art, you know? And I love that you guys are so able to talk about this so honestly. And yeah, you weren't malicious. You were just like, hey, I dig you. Like, let's build this <laughs> I told him, I'm like, oh my God, I love you. I want to do all the things with you. And it's like, yeah, but we don't have to do it yeah, this way. Yeah, but she made like okay. six months of plans and like yeah. oh, two weeks. And I'm like, yeah. we're doing another thing? Fuck me. I got yeah. things to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I get that now. I think... So the last thing I really want to talk about with you guys, and this was the biggest thing that I wanted to, to have you share on TIFF, is the idea of space. And this is something I didn't actually know this until a couple months ago. Um, and I know you're both obsessed, as am I, with Esther Perel mm, and what she teaches. So and I didn't understand this concept of space in a relationship because I've been codependent in every relationship up until now. And I thought that like smothering was great. So learning that's not... Smothering felt safe. Yes, it did. Very much. Yeah, it was just your effort to feel safe. Yes. But you have your own place in Chicago. Yeah. And you you guys are able to sort of go back and forth and take space apart. And now you're married. And of course that, I don't know that if that changes things or not. Out. Yeah, people are <laughs> so weird out. Yeah. 
But Connor and I have talked a lot about consciously creating space, which is part of why we want to be in a house with space so that we're not on top of each other and so that we can still have that desire and want to have sex with each other and just be totally turned on and not on top of each other. Yeah, build a fire. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, how have you created space in your relationship in a healthy way? Well, I feel like space is hard where there isn't trust. So I think the the sometimes, and there was reaction to this when I posted about it because people were like, I don't need any space. I'm like, well, okay, if it works for you, like I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you for me, space felt incredibly threatening and frightening, but it was because I had fragile, tenuous relationships, right? So space and what someone does with this space mm-hmm. is key, right? Everybody needs space. It, it has... Whatever degree, it might be space of like you go to work and I see you at the end of the day. It could be space where you take retreats and you you go travel with girlfriends. But space gives life. If you don't have space, you have partnership, but perhaps the attraction and the fire can suffer as a result. Yeah. And so for me, I have found that I have such trust that space isn't even an issue. It is so natural and it's not even conscious. It just flows. Like time for him to take, oh, I'm going to go do this and oh, I'm going to do that. It's not like we have to like create it because we know we need to keep the fire. It's just a natural like ebb and a flow. And before when there was space, I would be filled with anxiety because shit was happening in the space. Yeah. I, didn't, I intuitively felt it, but I didn't have proof and it was like a mess. So I find that the stronger that we get in our in our own relationship with ourselves and determining if our anxiety during space is a, a reaction to past trauma, like you were saying yesterday, or if it's like punishing someone for something that was done in the past, or if it's really a reality of your relationship now. Um, and what's great for our relationship is what Luke does when we have space does not damage the relationship. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not a guy who needs to be in certain environments that are high risk or, you know, like, like you talked about, like you're doing it in Whole Foods, but he's like not the dude who's like at a bar, like, hey, you know, look at me. And like, he's off having adventures and like traveling and usually with a lot of old dudes like fishing. And that's great. Yeah. And I'm like, good, have a good time. I ain't going to go sit in the middle of the ocean for three nights, a hundred miles offshore. He yeah. wants to do that, have a great time. And he comes back filled up and like on fire. And then that's hot. Mm-hmm. And like, so for me, like, even now, like in the past, like there's this trip. I was like, I'm going to support Kelly. How long do I want to stay? Then I want to go to Cal- you know, Chicago again, stay for a couple of days. And like before I knew it, like I didn't, I'm gone for a week or two at a time and it's like nothing. And then I am excited to join him when I come back. So yeah, I think if you're resisting fa- space or if it's feeling super traumatic or scary, you have to investigate like, is this my reaction from the past? And if it's not, usually it's, there's something activating it in the present. It's so funny you say that because, like, even even talking about moving to Denver, right? And I think one of the the most exciting things the most excited about we both the most excited about is like, oh, we get to move to Denver and have this house and be around each other less. Yeah, I, I mean, I was at ceremony. <laughs> we were at ceremony while I was live. I talked about elk hunting like four times yesterday yeah. at a women's oh. event. I was like, I get to go to the mountains and like be by myself. You and, and Luke are and like, it's, it's the same <laughs> thing. And I, even, I, I didn't realize till I, that till I left Texas how much I miss like the Texas things I used to do. Like I'd be able to drive two hours and go. St- I would get to drive two hours and go stand in a tree for six hours. Yeah, while it was fucking freezing. 
and had the best day ever because like yeah. my phone doesn't work. I'm just like, watching squirrels and armadillos running around. And I'm like, oh, I'm in LA. I don't get, I have like very little space from anybody. And it's like, I can't wait to get to Colorado where I can just like go away. Yeah. And just yeah. go be in silence for a little while. And that has nothing that to was, do with her. No, it's no. not at all. And it's even yeah. like the podcast studio is in the basement and the office is in the attic. That's the whole, have a whole floor between us. We don't even see each other for hours. And I'm excited about that because yeah. then when we're like making dinner, it's like, oh, we have it. You know, we have we have something to fucking talk about. Oh, yeah, and I'm not making dinner <laughs> while you're on a client call and we're on top of each Trying other. And it's like it and... never ends. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so important. But and... even the thing about reframing space too is like, well, if you have a nine to five job, which is which is great, and you do your thing, and especially if you enjoy it, like, well, there's that's built in space or right. bachelor parties or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's being really, yeah, there's no trust there, and the space just seems like and space a shit show. is a threat. Yeah. Well, and then I think if if you don't feel like you can take space, you need to take a look at your relationship. Yes, because then you agree. don't have trust. And what are we doing? And to and for me, I think back to like what that robbed me of. Like, I was with my family and apart from my partner, but my head was over here, and like the anxiety and the worry, and like where are they, and like how that took me out of my own life. I fucking refuse. Mm-hmm. I refuse to ever live that way again. So if I can't be where I am without worrying about my partner, that's not a relationship I'm willing to like partake mm-hmm. in. Like I, Luke, I tell him like he gives in our vows, like, oh, I'm going to get our wedding video later today. But like he gives me freedom with his trust to fully be present to my life mm-hmm. in our relationship. And so, yeah, I think... And sometimes it can signal... And, you know, I sometimes say, listen to the feeling. If the feeling is there, likely something in your relationship is triggering it. But sometimes it really just is our shit. And then we have to say, how are you not taking responsibility for your own life that space isn't something that's become productive for you? Mm -hmm. Like, how is it that you don't have anything you want to do or are passionate about that requires space? So true. That might be a signal that you're not fully invested and anchored in your life and that the anchor has become your partner. Mm-hmm. And you know, people will say, and they get triggered by this, but like I will be the first to say it. I love my husband. I have made the best decision I've ever made in marrying him, but I don't know what the future holds up. We don't know who people will become. And when I think truly for each partner, the most responsible thing you can do for that relationship is not make it. He is not my everything. And people get really upset when I say that because that's what they want. And, and maybe it, it is for you. But he is one of my biggest things. But if he's my everything, I'm giving him too much responsibility in my Mm -hmm. life. And I need to know that whatever would happen, I have a life because it's mine. Yes. And so, you know, I'm really, and people are really like, eh, I don't wanna do that. I'm like, okay, but all the people I work with want to because they want that sense of peace and freedom that comes with having their own Mm -hmm. internal locus of control. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that. Thank you so much. You are such a gem. You've been chatting on this couch all day. I know. I appreciate you. <laughs> I and thank it. you for flying to LA Aww. to be a part of my event and to join us. And to you have been the most amazing support system and answering calls when I have needed you so much. And I, I tell you this all the time, but you set such a beautiful example for me and the person that I continue to want to grow and be become um, as a woman. And I just love the way you show up for people and your heart and it, you're so genuine and so beautiful inside and out and I just appreciate you. I feel the same about you and I so love that I got to meet I Connor and have this experience <laughs> and see you two together and your willingness to like do the work and, and what I respect about both of you above all is to do it messy mm. and like you would, <laughs> you know like not saying that you're a me- I'm like yeah. saying you will just 
go for it. Mm -hmm. And like that inspires me daily. And so you are reaching so many people and you were so beautiful and like full of love and graceful yesterday. And you were such a fucking rock for her and so like solid. And it was just a really beautiful example of partnership. So thanks for having me there. I feel truly honored. Thank you. Yeah. 